0: Innovators in the music industry are thinking deeply about what's next and how to be a part of it. On Voices Behind the Music, you'll hear from some of the most influential voices in music about how the industry is changing and what the future might unfold. Saida Blount is a New York City-based brand and marketing powerhouse known for her focus on music culture. But she wasn't always the digital content maven that she is today. Saida grew up in the Midwest and describes herself as being bookish in her early days. Her family placed academics as the top priority, which led her to be a political science major in college. She then moved to the Big Apple for grad school to study public policy and political theory. But behind it all, she always surrounded herself with music and it was her calling. So she made the risky decision to switch careers and had to start all over she went from writing policy papers to handing out flyers to promote a show for meals she was either fueled by ramen or went to music industry parties for the free food but things today are wildly different she is now the senior manager of global content marketing for sonos and she's helped to establish and develop new sonic and cultural platforms for the company including sonos radio Positioning the company as an emerging leader in the music and content space. Prior to Sono, Saida was at NPR where she handled music, live events, and digital content for five years. But Saida also has deep experience working with innovative and top influential media outlets and brands such as Fader, Adidas, Punchdrunk, Spotify, and Top Shop. In her free time, Saida loves going to concerts, checking out new restaurants in Brooklyn, and travel. She's also plotting on starting a new podcast in the near future. Saida, welcome to Voices Behind the Music. Thank you so much. Wow, it's nice to hear your
1: life summed up in such a glossy sort of way. So thank you. <laughs> awesome. So for starters, tell us what is Sonos and describe your role there. Sonos is a music product and technology company that's based out of Santa Barbara, California. Basically, we're known for making really great wireless speakers that also fit into your home theater kind of space in your home. The company was started by a group of music loving tech geeks that were like, why can't you create really amazing products that are premium but at a very fair price and also run by and operated via Wi Fi? So, Sonos has expanded from there. It's been around for, wow, I want to say. 17 years plus, and there's about nearly 1,800 employees across the world. And we just now, in the last two years, started this division, uh, Sonos Radio, where we're now focusing on bringing music content and great curation to homes. Awesome. And tell us about your
0: role. What are you doing at Sonos?
1: I've worked across marketing pretty much at the company. I started out on the Americas team working on developing live events and figuring out how do we bring that Sonos experience outside of the home. It's wiggled its way through every facet of the company, going global and doing experiential events and activations. And now I've landed, again, working on this really amazing Sonos Radio project where we've decided, hey, you've got these great speakers in your home. You've invested in this. We found that people listen to music and their podcasts in their home pretty continuously from the moment that they walk through the door from work or errands or different things like that the speakers are on. Why not create our own content? We've done this with a focus. On music discovery. We know that we don't have the budgets of companies like Spotify or Amazon Music or Apple, but we know that we do have really great talent and we have access to artists that understand music and are deep lovers and appreciators of music. So we're flexing our ability to reach out to those folks and creating great content. Just imaginative, interesting content based out of music discovery.
0: And so these are actual curators. These are human beings that are curating this content? Pretty
1: much, yeah. We've really focused on human curation. I actually curate an entire station called Sound System that is probably the largest base of most of our unique and original content. So, yeah, I'm talking to DJs and artists and music supervisors about what they think is interesting. And we do have an agency that we work with, but I would say that for our original content, it is 100% human curated.
0: There is a great debate between algorithmic recommendation and human recommendation. I certainly have a view on that, but it sounds like you do too. By definition, you're talking about the process of picking individual songs, having conversations. But we oftentimes get the question in our line of work at Feed, well, is having human curators, is that scalable? Are you able to scale that process? Whereas algorithmic recommendation like the old days of Savage Beast at Pandora, which was actually done by humans, and then the algorithm was on top of that. But when you do compare it to traditional collaborative filtering algorithms like Netflix, which are infinitely scalable, do you feel that it loses that important touch, or do you find people are okay with algorithmic recommendations?
1: I can't hate on the algorithm. I have to say that my Spotify algorithm knows me to a T. I opened mm-hmm. up my, my Discover Weekly and I'm like, wow, this is pretty good. Um, I'm right overwhelmed sometimes at how good it is. But I do think there is a loss of warmth and a loss of kind of an emotional journey sometimes when you rely too heavily on the algorithm. That's the way that I curate. I definitely, people will tell you, I make playlists and I consider it storytelling based on emotion. I like to take the listener on a journey. There is a moment where you do need to feel that kind of emotional resonance that you can only get from a person picking out their favorite songs or something that resonated with them the first time they heard it, or wow, I love that background noise that kind of echoes through the song and it makes me feel something and it's going to like smooth so well into this Bowie song. There's an art form to that. And I really appreciate people that take the time and do that. I was that friend in high school that made mixtapes for friends for every situation. When somebody does that for me or sends me a playlist, I love that. So yeah, we really thought about that with um, Sonos Radio because we are about trying to get people to Come out of their comfort zone a little bit and discover some new music. I feel that it is really important that a human touch is there because we've got experts. We've got people that know the most about black music across the diaspora, people that know about all different variants of rock, dance music, African music, those things that sometimes a computer or an algorithm can't pick up. It's just like, oh, I didn't know about this really obscure track from this Toure group from the 70s. It didn't get explored like an algorithm is not going to pick up that emotionality and what it means to somebody to put that on a
0: playlist human curation all the way human curation again i love how you said has that warmth right has that contextual element that a computer just can't get but it seems to me though that it's almost like one is it not one isn't necessarily better than the other it's kind of nirvana might be the intersection of those two and that's okay but Those moments where
1: I'm really engaged and sitting Mm -hmm. and listening and wanting to learn, because I constantly learn. That's why I listen to music. I'm one of those people that always tells people, hit me with something. If you hear about a great album or a genre or whatever that I might not know, please hit me about it. Those moments are really important. Music discovery is how I grew up. Um, It saved my life. I, I had a job as a teenager at Barnes & Noble to pay for my addiction to British music magazine so I could learn about more music. I never took home a paycheck. My parents were like, where did the money go? And I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm like, see that stack of paper in my bedroom? That's where it went. For me, the music discovery aspect is king. And I think fostering that human kind of curation and interest and the willing to go down wormholes is really important.
0: Yeah. And let's Talk about that, and I think you and I are both of a similar vintage, where we can both say <laughs> that there are those days we're not going to use numbers. But you and I probably were of the vintage where there was some element or a strong element of joy walking into a thing called a record store, yes, where you could actually physically f- feel the cover and flip through the record stack and the smells, particularly when uh, you go to a used record store, the smells, yeah. it's like, God, each person had their special imprint on this plastic thing. And all of a sudden as you're flipping through just by happenstance, oh my gosh, I'm in the F section and you came across some random band. You just, you like the cover art and you caused you to go deeper and then pull out the lighter notes and read, oh my God, this person played with somebody else who I love. Do you think that technology has crushed that discovery process, or do you think technology has enhanced the discovery process?
1: I think it's a mix of both. I think that technology has crushed the emotional element of it, for sure. Like you mentioned, I haven't heard anybody mention that in a very long time. Thank you for saying about the certain smells. of a record store. no, that sounds weird. <laughs> I think that people that know it, you're dead on that. There's a smell of like what those record jackets that have been aged and in somebody's house and somebody that may have smoked while listening to their albums or something. It just comes home <laughs> right. with you. It's amazing. I grew up in record stores going from vinyl, getting my first piece and then begging my dad to buy me blocks of Maxell tapes. Like, please. And I would record off at the radio I'm so jealous of young people that now don't have to search for anything. I mean, I'm pulling out my cane right now and shaking it at the kids on the lawn. (laughs) But we had to do so much to discover about new music. I think about it now and I'm just like, how did I have time with like school and all of these other things? I listened to college radio from other, like when I would go to other cities as a kid, if we went home to Michigan to visit my mom's family. I would bring tapes with me and I would record the radio there and then I would bring it back and play it for all of my friends being like, listen to what I heard. And Michigan had great college radio stations, magazines and watching. Can you imagine? Remember, we used to have TV shows that actually covered music and showed all of those things. Listen to Casey Kasem. I listened to America's Top 40 every week. But now kids can just go to Spotify and any other music app and it's Basically a virtual jukebox. That's what I, that's how I had to explain it to my aunt when I set up Spotify for her. That was like, look, imagine you have a jukebox that everything in the world is there. You just type it in and you can listen to it. What a gift.
0: It is a gift. And I think technology does play a critically important role. There's an old saying, which is content is king. I would argue though nowadays, because content is everywhere. It's like water, right? There's so much content that you'd never be able to consume it in multiple lifetimes. So that leads me to say, it's not content that is king. It is context that is king. I miss the context, particularly college radio, which is great because they had a lot more freedom to play what they wanted. But oftentimes, it wasn't necessarily the music. It was... The space is in between the music, right? Yes, it was, the, it was when the DJ actually said, hey, you should check out this crazy band called the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I know it's the nuttiest name, and they do this funk, rock, LA kind of thing. It'll blow your mind. Oh, The first time I heard the Violent Femmes, it was just like, whoa, what is this? This is nuts. But it was the context around it, the story about the bands that got me super excited.
1: College radio was a goal of mine when I went away to school. I went to this small liberal arts college in the middle of Maine, in the middle of nowhere. You went to Bates. I went to Bates.
0: I love that school.
1: It's a great school in the smack dab in the middle of the state, 1,200 students total. But WRBC was one of the best college radio stations in the country. One of the greatest things was they would put these stickers on the back of CDs and albums where the disc jockeys could fill in their thoughts and notes, things could get so wild. You would hear people say some of them like, "I'm going to read what's on the back of this." Like, "Hey, I've got this uh, Ned's Atomic Dustbin CD, and they're this weirdo band, and it makes me feel like I'm tripping." It's just insane. I miss <laughs> those moments. That personality doesn't always translate anywhere else, but I think college radio just holds a special place in my heart. And I think that we tried to bring some of that at Sonos. We have some oddballs that make some shows for us. And I've never put any barriers around people. I was like, if we could put together NPR music, BBC6, WKRP, and a weirdo college rock, I was like, would this be what we're putting on the air? <laughs> With like, where people are learning things at the same time? That, to me, was the ultimate joy. Sometimes you just need a wackadoodle guy that's like, you know, this is real trippy. And I listened to this when I was making out with my girlfriend under the bleaches in college, and it (laughs) was great.
0: So, you and I are talking about the golden years of music discovery when mixtapes, which I did too. And remember, when you make a mixtape, and I I remember those Maxwell tapes, you you pop it in. There wasn't a speed record function when you were going through song by song, because if you hit speed record and you stopped it too late or didn't get it right, you have to kind of start all over again. So you're listening to each song as you're making this mixtape. But part of that joy of putting the perfect song and then writing it in on yep. that little paper cover that you could never get your ballpoint pen to actually make a mark. <laughs> just have to like, because it was like some weird plasticky thing yeah, on it or weird whatever. Yeah, film on the it. The coating, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the coating on it. Anyway, but then writing it, going through line by line, being so thoughtful. Oh, no, I can't put that Bowie tune next to that because Bowie mm-hmm. and Billy Idol hated each other. So <laughs> 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 There's just that joy of creation. But obviously technology is is critical and, and music, as you're saying, i loved love to, you describe Spotify as the giant jukebox in the sky. But what do you think, what's the future of music, particularly as it relates to curation and discovery? Do you have a view on that? I think it's going to get bigger
1: and bigger. I think that discovery is the tool. It's like, where else can pop music go? I think we've all kind of seen where it's landed. MTV doesn't exist anymore. There's not a place really to discover the whole art form, the visuals. I mean, we get to see it at award shows and via social media. I think that even social media has changed what music really is. It's like this rise of TikTok artists, for better or for worse. There's been some that are fantastic. Um, I'm not particularly versed in her music, but Olivia Rodrigo, I see where she's come out of that. But On the other hand, somebody else that I think is absolutely fascinating, and I'm excited to see what she does is Pink Pantherist from the UK, that she makes these little less than two-minute songs, but she knows her references. You could tell that she is somebody that was raised by the internet, raised by Spotify, that Mm -hmm. she has had access to everything. She's pulling from a bank of samples and noises and sounds and references that for her age of being 18 19 years old are years older like she's pulling drum and bass references that i'm just like wow i haven't heard that since i was at a rave she's pulling r&b references that no one's really heard uh, a lot of british music she's making exciting stuff and she's selling out venues I think that social media and these folks that are just on here creating their own kind of scale can do anything. The traditional industry, I think, not to say it's in trouble, but I think that they're going to have to realize how to jog pretty quickly Mm -hmm. on how to stay fresh and stay competitive. Because I see that even established artists are having problems and having to figure out new ways to stay fresh, even people that sell tons of records like The Weeknd and Taylor Swift are looking at new ways of marketing and selling and making their music. I love the way that Taylor Swift is thinking about her music now. I think that she's branched sure. out into looking at how her audience listens. She's like, okay, I know that my audience listens to me, but they're probably also listening to pitchforky sort of stuff. And she's been working with interesting producers. I think that everyone's going to have to do that, that the model of churning out the same thing and just hoping that the industry pick up, picks up on it or fans pick up on it, that is done. It It is a job now to actually mm-hmm. be, and it's a, a job and a privilege to be a working artist right now and to have your music do well. Everyone's going to have to put in a little bit more work because this industry is not static. I'm interested to see where it goes with Gaming coming in, all of this crypto and NFT stuff that I still don't even really know about. I have a friend that's sure. trying to get me caught up, but he's thinking about how to blend art and music into that. And um, I think the sky is the limit right now.
0: You know, and I'll throw in fitness, too. Oh, right? wow. Fitness is the new distribution channel. It really right? is. And if, you, if you think about where do people listen to music when they commute to work, that kind of stopped in COVID. When they go out, that kind of stopped for a while during COVID too. Yep. But thirdly, when you work out, people need music when they work out. And there's all this interesting neurological science around the effect of music on people's perception of time, of how hard they're working, et cetera, et cetera. So we're seeing a power play almost shift to that of the fitness side where it becomes a distribution channel, similar to how. The good old days radio was a distribution channel for music. That's interesting. That is very true. If you go onto
1: Spotify and you click, say someone like Peloton, their playlists are very good. You're just like, wow, right. somebody here is doing great curation. And I've heard a rumor that
0: they do quite a bit of human curation. They do. They do. And it begs the question, I was going to ask you, who is the real rock star now? Is the rock star the curator? or is the rock star the rock star and a lot of it is there's so much content that you need a rock star curator i mean peloton is an interesting example that you bring up because those instructors are the rock stars 100%. those are the those folks are the entertainers that are picking not only the style of the workout but the style of the music yes and people will oftentimes go to a particular class because hey i love his or her Music choices.
1: Yeah, same with sleep stations. Just looking at the number of music stars that have sleep channels now that they make music expressly for these sleep stations is mind boggling to me. Ironically, we have a show on Sonos Radio that is about conversations with music supervisors. And I agree with you. I think that music supervisors are rock stars. Like Ludwig Göransson, who does the music for The Mandalorian and all of those Star Trek. I mean, he is a rock star. He does the stuff for that Disney universe. He's also like John Williams is like coming to him being like, I'm handing you the mantle. You're the guy doing Star Wars stuff now.
0: That's huge, like, shoes to fill. Yep, yep. So awesome. So let me ask you a couple quick questions actually one around advice for a young person getting into the music industry can you share some knowledge
1: this is funny because i've been doing some advisory work for the clive davis school of music here in new york i talked with a young person today that he's finishing up his last semester and trying to figure out what he's doing but he played music in his kind of like senior review that blew my my head off within the first three notes i was like whoa I was like, this kid is really thinking about what he wants to do. He knows his style. He's very assured. I would say that, one, if you have the opportunity and you have the privilege to look at a school like Clive Davis, it's the most comprehensive program in the country right now that it's allowing young people to look at every facet of the music business, from they have music supervision classes to gaming, music and gaming. That's huge. Looking at internet technologies and music. And then the requirements there is that you have to take a class in every one of those, the 360 of the business. Mm -hmm. I would say, make sure that even if you don't have that opportunity, learn every facet of the business or at least research it. Don't go in cold. Don't think, oh, I'm just a singer. I'm going to learn this. And somebody else will take care of the back end. No, you have to know everything that you're doing top to bottom. If I could rewind the clock, I would take as many mentorship and internships as I could learn from people that are willing to give you the time. It sounds so weird because people don't really do this anymore. Get out there, network, like actually be foot on the ground and go to things and network. People now just do it over LinkedIn or they just send emails back and forth into DMs, actually get out and meet people. When I moved to New yep. York City, the best thing I ever did for myself when I decided I wanted to be in music was I went to tons of shows and I went to tons of industry things. And even if I was just standing in the corner drinking their free drinks and <laughs> eating their free food, <laughs> I still yep. met people that like were like, hey, have you ever thought about talking to this person face-to-face it trumps all. Like, you just have to get in front of people and learn and kind of network.
0: Love it. Love it. On that note, at any of these events, did you have any star-struck moments? Always. One of my funniest
1: stories. One year, I went to Coachella, and I had an artist pass, which Coachella, that's basically... That's one step away from having a cart and like driving it yourself around. You can go (laughs) anywhere with an artist pass. And I got it for a couple specific reasons. But one, I wanted to see Brian Ferry. I am the biggest Roxy Music fan. And I love Brian Ferry, a man in a smoky jacket. My God. And I was like, so I told my friend that I went with, I was like, we're going to Brian Ferry. We're going to be behind stage so I could see this show. I don't want to be arm jostling people. Prime spot. We found the prime spot. We are behind the stage. We're looking through the curtain. We see the whole band. Brian Ferry's there dancing around. And all of a sudden I feel a tap on my shoulder. And I hear this: hey, you're dragging some toilet paper on the bottom of your shoe. And I feel this like leg <laughs> or this arm lift up my leg. And I turn around, and it's Steven Tyler <laughs> had picked up my foot. And it's literally, he's like, hey, it like some gum gotcha. And like, <laughs> literally, my friend and I are gap jawed just watching Steven Tyler pick gum off of the bottom of my shoe and like wrap it in the gross like paper that it's in. And it's like, hey, I got it there for you. And he's like, are you having a good time? And we're both like, just nodding. Yes. Yeah. It's, like, it's Steven Tyler. One, looking amazing, looking fresh and healthy. One of the best smelling celebrities. I have a list. One of the best smelling celebrities. I've ever uh, So the smell thing is like real. It's real. Okay, like I'm God. one of those people that pays attention. Dolly Parton, the best smelling celebrity
0: I've ever. Oh, Unbelievable. Okay. I love it. I love it. So that sounded like your best concert, too. What about the first album that you purchased? I want to say the first
1: album I purchased was a Michael Jackson record. I don't, I want to say maybe it was Thriller. Yeah. I don't remember exactly one, but definitely Michael Jackson. That's a good one. Yeah.
0: That's a good one. Good one. Well, Saida, thank you so much for being on the show. I had an absolute blast. That was so much fun. And we hope to have you
1: again. Thank you so much. This was so great. Thank you for letting me go through some of my great times in the industry.
0: Ah, fantastic. Thanks for listening to Voices Behind the Music, a Growth Network podcast production presented by Feed Media Group. We're on a mission to make it easy, fast, and legal for businesses to use music to power the most engaging customer experiences. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get yours and learn more about us at feedmediagroup.com.